We're going to talk about reigning in life, how you are to reign in life. What I mean by that, the word reign in, in the Hebrew language and, and really even in the Greek language, it literally means to have full or superior dominion. So the God of heaven has made a way for you to walk in this earth in your life in the authority. It's, it's called delegated authority. Jesus said, all power has been given. All authority has been given to me. And now I give it to you. Now you go in my name. So in your life, you are to reign in life. Every area, every area of your life, you're to reign. Well, the reason why, you know, you need to have full and superior dominion is because there's somebody out there trying to steal from you, right? And, and, and he has no power, Satan has no power to do it, so what he tries to do is minimize you. And he does that, he knows that if a Christian ever takes his eyes off Jesus, which is off the word of God, now he will forget who he is and what he's been given. So today, there's an aspect of reigning in life and, and here is what I want to talk to you very specifically, how the grace of God will cause you to reign in life as you learn to walk in the grace of God. So I, I just want to encourage you to take notes. You'll probably want to listen to this message again. You know, I've been told that, that the way that God uses me in sermons, we go through so many scripture, it's like eating a 5,000 calorie meal. So, but here's the thing. These messages, the Lord told me years ago, he goes, just, you just keep following me. They're designed for people to continue to feed on them. And it's kind of like Italian food. It, it gets better, the leftovers get better. So, and, and this is the thing, and this is why you want to focus your spirit today, because you're, you're receiving from your spirit. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. I'm, I stand in the office of pastor and teacher, but my goal is to flow with him, right? So, so what'll happen is he's gonna speak to your heart today. He's not gonna beat you up, because he doesn't do that. He, he builds you up. He edifies you. The word is always edifying. It brings you into life. So you may get answers today. I would expect that. Direction. And, and here's the thing in your life. Many times, we feel like we got to make all these big adjustments, but it all starts with just little adjustments. Just little adjustments. So here's the thing. When your father today, as you're sitting here, he's looking at you. He sees you in Christ. He doesn't see you in sin. Now you might be sitting here going, but yeah, I got this thing in my life. He doesn't see you in sin. Do you know why he sees you in Christ? Because you're in Christ. In, in the book of Romans, it says, well, let's, we'll take a test. How many of you have ever at, invited Jesus to come into your heart, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit came and resided in your spirit? How many of you that's happened to? Okay, well, look at all these hands. We'll see. Now, what that means is, in the book of Romans, it says, you are in Christ, and you're in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. So now he's going to talk to your heart and he's going to come and talk to you as you really are. As a world overcomer, not, not as somebody that's, that's under, that's being defeated. No, he'll talk to you as, you're, as a world overcomer. Why? 
because that's the way you really are. So be encouraged by this today, and let's just get in the word. Let's, let's talk about this. You know, the Bible talks about the manifold grace of God. And what that means is the many folds of the grace of God. You think, wow, the grace of God is so awesome. And, and you're walking it, and then all of a sudden God will do this. And you're like, oh, wow. Right? And it's wonderful. So we're going to talk about this a little bit. Step in, go, go turn to Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 28. The amplified version, many times, it, 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 what it means, it amplifies it. And what, that, what it does, it will take the Greek meaning of words and give us a parenthetical definition of the Greek word, which kind of amplifies it so that we can see it. So step number one to reigning in life through the grace of God is we must have knowledge and insight into God's purposes and into his ways. See, his ways are higher than our ways, right? That, that, word, that means his course of action, it's higher than our course of action. So that was all written to us, even in Isaiah 55, where it was written so that we would let go of our ways and embrace his ways, right? So we must have knowledge, but knowledge is not enough, then insight, understanding how do I walk this out in my life of his purpose and his ways. So in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 28, it says this, Him we preach, Jesus Christ, and proclaim warning and admonishing and instructing everyone in all wisdom. Well, what is, what is wisdom? Comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God in order that we might present every person mature, mature, full-grown, fully initiated. That means, see, have you been fully initiated into the ministry that God's called you to? He, God wants you fully initiated, complete and perfect in Christ. So we preach Jesus for this reason. God desires, he is Jehovah, he desires that his people have insight into his purposes. To fulfill God's purpose for your life, you have to have knowledge and insight of his ways, how he does things. Because, because what he does, see this world is turned upside down. People think that to be first, I've got to do everything I can to get ahead of everybody else. But in, in God, to be first, you must be last. So I could literally, to be first, what I do is I, I take other people and I prefer them before myself. Right? I harvest into them to help them be first so that I could be first. Because guess what? We're all in a race, and when you finish your course, you're first. There's, every one of us are to be first, right? None of our paths are the same, even though they're intertwined. They're so intertwined, we're one spirit, right? You want to see signs, wonders, and miracles just start breaking out in churches? See the body of Christ walk in the unity of the spirit. 
See them be fully initiated into the ministry. That, that's, that's all it's going to take. God fulfills his purposes through his ways. All right? This is so very important. This is why, I, I, I think I said this to the men Saturday. We're going through the book of Ephesians. And I said, you know, stop trying to live for God. Boy, I bet you never thought you'd come to church and hear that. I grew up, you know, it's almost like a baseball bat. You better live for God, you know, or, or else, right? No, no, we got to stop trying to live for God, and we got to just let him live through us. It, it's, it's, it's the difference. See, when you have a sin consciousness, when you don't see yourself correctly, you overcompensate on things, but in reality, you're serving God out of fear. And that never works. You, you don't want to ever serve him out of fear because if you do, you will always, you'll be self-centered. You'll come to church just for you, which really, you don't get very much if you're coming just for you, right? Um, in life, it's it just, you're not positioned right and you'll always end up in a works mentality, which will cause you to always be seeking his hand. Oh, Lord, bless me. I just got to have healing. I got ha to be blessed. But if you serve God because you're motivated, because he's so good and because of his love for you, and you serve him out of that, that's serving him out of a righteousness consciousness. You're seeing yourself correctly. You won't get in a works mentality. You'll work out what he's working in, and you won't seek the blessing You'll seek to know him, and then what's really cool is when God just, he, he, the blessings overtake you. So what happens, you know, all of a sudden, you're just serving God, you're worshiping him, you're in the word, all this stuff, and then all of a sudden you have a desire, let's say, for a new car. And then God will even get specific with you. And then at some point, when, when you're sorted through all that, because see, you're still looking at him, and you're not, you know, see, if you have a sin consciousness, when he can't give you a desire of a new car because you'll be like, you just be like, your eyes are off him and on the new car. But when, when he's first and you're walking in this, you're like, yeah, that'd be cool. And you're thinking, man, if I had a new car, I could do this. I could, and you're, and you're thinking of a lot of things that pertain to God's path for your life. And then all of a sudden, when you sort through it all, at some point you're like, okay, he's given me the desire, Father. I come to you, and Father, right now, I thank you. What things soever I desire when I pray, believe that I receive them, and I'll have them. So Father, right now, I just believe that I receive whatever car you like, right? Whatever is in your heart. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And then you go on. And you're still living for him, and every time, you know, if you think about it, the enemy will say, that's stupid. You're like, oh, Father, I just thank you for that car. But it doesn't distract you. Do you see this? I'm, I'm bringing up this material thing because you got to know God wants you blessed. As a matter of fact, he needs you blessed. Because if you're not blessed, your authority, your royalty will be questioned in the earth. So he needs you to be blessed. So you're going to have to have some things but none of those things can ever have you. Because God might want you to believe him for a new car so that you can give it to some guy 
that you don't even know yet. So he's got to get you thinking like this. So this is why, it's just a different way. You want God to live through you. It's in him that I live and move and have my being. I, I rest, and now I'm not trying to become. I'm not trying to impress, right? I'm, I, I, you know, it, it, it's, I live in such a wonderful environment as a pastor. So many of you just bless me with wonderful, encouraging words. But I got to tell you, that would have moved me years ago, but it doesn't move me now. It blesses me, but it doesn't move me. In the same way, if somebody is talking bad about me or whatever and all this stuff, it doesn't move me. Because I live my life looking at him, and I know if I'm doing something wrong and I keep looking at him, he'll get it over to me. Hey, you need to make an adjustment in this area. But if I'm not looking at him and I'm being moved by that stuff, man, it could move me off my course in the same way you too. Listen, as you serve God, it's going to be glorious. God's going to use you to set people free, right. heal people, deliver people. He's, that's glorious. And you're going to have people that just love you. But because you're serving God, you're also going to have people that hate you. That's right. Sometimes many of them are in the church. They could be, or they could be re religious or whatever. I don't know. But it doesn't matter because, see, if you have somebody that's mad at you and they're a believer, guess what? You're still one with them. And if you'll just walk in love and not be insecure and try to impress or change them or show them that they're wrong, you forget all of that. And you just walk around and you fulfill this challenge that Paul gave to Christians in the book of Ephesians that we are to put our heart and soul into walking in unity with, with our believers. We're to be long-suffering with one another. We're, we're to speak kind words and, and build people up. Why? Because that keeps us free and it keeps our eyes on the Lord. Colossians chapter 1, verse 25 now, and, verse, and we're going to read through verse 28. I want you to see this. It says, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you. Notice, God will always give you things for others. Everything he deposits in you, every gift in your heart is, is yeah, it blesses you, but it's for others. To fulfill the word of God, verse 26, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. So this mystery, we know it now. We know it. For generations, they didn't know this. Verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches. This, this is the Greek word plutos. It literally means the inexhaustible supply of riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Gentiles, when you see that word in the Bible, that would represent everyone who's not Jewish. This is for everyone. So, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Here's the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. 
Do you know that's all you need to know? Christ is in me. And, and what, what that does is it gives me an expectation now, the hope of his glory. I fully expect, because I know that Christ is in me, I fully expect that in my life his glory will be shown out of me. Here's the thing. If grace, the grace of God was a tree, glory would be the fruit God puts grace into you as you go to him. You have to access grace. But as you go to him, he puts grace into you and what manifests out of you is glory. God wants, see, his glory is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. What, how's that going to happen? It's going to be the glory that's coming out of his church. Us. So this is, now in Ephesians chapter 1, we know this prayer of supplication. You could turn over there. Ephesians chapter 1, but I want to focus on verse 17 and 18 in the Amplified Version. Ephesians 1, verse 17 and 18. It says this, For I always pray the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him, Jesus Christ. How does he do this? By having the eyes of your hearts flooded with light. Now this is talking about the Holy Spirit bringing revelation of God's word in your heart. By having the eyes of your hearts flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you. you. See, this is how you understand God's plan for your life. And how rich his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. And we could go on because it, it even goes on and it talks about the power that is pointed at us and in our lives as we believe his word. What I want you to see here is God desires every believer to have insight into the mysteries and secrets. The biggest one is Christ is in you. The hope of glory. You're in him. You haven't been just set free. You have been made free. Never to be bound again. This is huge. A lack of understanding in any area of truth will prevent you from walking in that area. So you got to understand truth. And the Holy Spirit is here to help us understand the truth of his word. Because if you don't understand it, you can't walk in it. We have been designed by God. We're created, we're, or I should say this, we're his offspring. We can only go where we see. So the Holy Spirit will bring understanding a lack of understanding produces ignorance, right? And this ignorance will produce inactivity. This is why many Christians are not doing anything. Because they have a lack of understanding. So a lack of understanding will produce ignorance. Ignorance will produce what? I just said it. What, what, did, I, what did it say to produce? Inactivity, inactivity right? And this inactivity will produce 
ineffective Christian living. Your, your life, you won't be living it effectively. And God wants you to live it effectively so that it connects with everything in your heart. Does that make sense? All right. So grace, if you look at the whole subject of grace, it penetrates and surrounds the whole life of the believer from salvation forever. We will always walk in the grace of God. It surrounds everything. It's an integral part of New Testament truth. So if you don't understand the grace of God, it's going to be hard for you to understand the New Testament. You must gain knowledge of grace and its divine working. Again, it's divine working. The grace of God, his ability does the work, not you. The grace of God enables you to walk free from sin, not you. The grace of God enables you to stand in the face of circumstances that are insurmountable and be at peace knowing that you already have the victory. The grace of God enables you, the serving grace of God enables you now to serve God and to do what he's purposed for you to do on this earth. Right? The grace of God, it's the sharing grace of God. It's what enables you to tithe and give and not be moved by your circumstances, to be honest with you, not even look at them, so that you give based on how he's leading you so that you ensure that you never walk in lack in this earth. See, a lot of Christians who don't understand that, they're trying to... Oh, Man, this 10%, the first 10% of my income, if I do that, I'll never make it. That should never even come out of the mouth of a child of God because God has ta will take care of you. I mean, but, but if you're trying to figure that out on your own, good luck. You're going to be frustrated. But if you realize, wait a minute, his grace provides everything for me. So now... I, I'm not my source anymore. He's my source. So if he tells me to empty my bank account and my bills are due tomorrow, I know my bills will be paid because he's my source. Can you feel that? Just even when I said that, could you feel people go, guys, we can grow beyond all this, but not in our own strength. The grace of God. The grace of God empowers me that when I've been wounded by people, that it doesn't affect me now. I could still come and open my heart to people. Fearless. It's the grace of God that does it. The grace of God, you must gain knowledge of this grace and how it works. It's divine. You must learn, here's a big part of grace, because see, God just doesn't pour grace on you. You have to access it. You have to learn how to access it. Accurate knowledge of Jesus, all that was wrought by him, all that is available through him, it brings growth, right? It brings maturity in your life. It brings development. It develops you spiritually. It brings the power of God in your life. It brings, here's a big one, freedom in your life and victory. All that was wrought in Christ. It, this, all that God did in Christ, all that was wrought in him through the grace of God, this is what it produces in our life. 
growth, maturity, development, power, freedom, and victory. So what we're saying here is to grow in this, you got to know. You have to have knowledge, revelation knowledge. Didn't Jesus say to those Jews, John 8, 31 and 32, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples, then you're my followers, and you'll know the truth, and the truth, the truth will make you free. God doesn't expect you to get free on your own. You can't get free on your own. I got to tell you, I've been bound as a child of God. And while it was, was an illusion of bondage. And now I'm free. I could tell you this, free is much better. Life is much easier walking in the faith of God or by the faith of God, walking in the love of God, being led by the Spirit of God. That's much easier than walking by sight. Walking by sight stinks. It's hard. You're unstable. You never know what's going to happen. And your emotions that get twisted by the enemy will dominate your life. And God doesn't want that for you at all. The greatest endeavor of a believer is to discover and know what has been accomplished in him and all that is available through his identification with Christ. God wants you to know that. Revelation knowledge of our new covenant moves us. Literally, as you get revelation knowledge of the new covenant, of the word of God, it moves you right into his divine ability, which is the grace of God. Remember, you've heard me say this. God doesn't call you to do things according to your ability. He calls you to do things according to his ability. Well, when you gain revelation knowledge of what you've been given in Christ and, and what's available to you, it will literally move your life into the grace of God. And it moves you into his divine ability. So now you're parenting in divine ability. You're a husband or a wife in divine ability. You're a minister of the gospel walking in his divine ability. You know, whatever you do... Uh, in your career, you're not doing it by your ability, you're doing it by his ability, right? Dr. Ruthry, I mean, do you know everything about internal medicine or, or, or the body? No, but guess what? The one who does is in you. So she can operate in, in God's ability there. Man, God could, literally, God could move in five minutes and, and do more than it would take you five years to do. Knowledge of the new covenant makes it possible for the believer to live to their full potential, their full potential of freedom, their full potential of power, their full potential of victory in Christ in every area. What does? Knowledge of what you've been given in Christ. Everything you've been given in Christ was given to you by the grace of God. And as you learn to walk in it, now it literally connects you to his divine ability. Now that's the walk of faith. I'm not, you can't say, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by anything but what he says. You can't say that unless you're walking in the grace of God. Because the grace is what empowers you to even say that. 
Hallelujah. I love this. Go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 17. Hallelujah. Revel, or Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Never forget, revelation knowledge of the new covenant moves you into his divine ability. Right? So we have to gain knowledge of grace. We have to gain knowledge of its supernatural operation. And as we do that, 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 what you're doing is you're gaining knowledge of one of the greatest truths of the new covenant. And it brings great understanding in your life. Paul even said that, I am who I am by the grace, or I am what I am by the grace of God. Everything. Romans 5.17, it says, For if by one man's offense, we know that's talking about Adam's sin, death reigned. That means death had full and superior dominion in this earth. It reigned by one, Adam, right? It says much more, and this word in the Greek, much more, means so much more you can't even compare it. Much more, they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. How? By one, Jesus Christ. So, so much more, they which receive. Now, this word receive, it literally means you take hold of something. So, if this they which receive the abundance of grace. Remember, you have to access grace. So they which receive, this means they take hold of grace and they act on it. They don't pick it up and set it down. No, I've seized hold of it and now I'm acting on it. That's what that Greek word means. They that receive, they that seize hold and act on, right? The abundance of grace. What is the abundance of grace? I would put this in your notes. That is the finished work of Christ. It's finished. Your healing is finished. Your prosperity is finished. Your ability to walk in victory in life, to be honest with you, it's all finished. Your God, your Father always causes you to triumph. You're more than a conqueror through Christ because it's finished. When Jesus when he hung on that cross and he gave up his spirit and said it was finished, did you notice the veil in the temple was torn? So now we had access to the very holy of holies. It was all finished. Everything's finished. And here's the big one. Satan's finished. He's finished. Right? So tell him, you don't know how much I don't care. Shut up and get out. You're finished. You're finished in my life. I've seen it. You're done. Right? It says, they which take hold of and act upon, the, you could say it this way, the finished work of Christ and the gift of righteousness. Remember, righteousness is a gift. You're made the righteousness of God. You can't become it. You can't work and grow and get a, a higher level badge. What, no, you, you'll never be more righteous than the moment you get saved. Now, as you grow in the Lord, it seems like you're growing in righteousness, but you're not. You're just becoming more aware of what your righteousness is, what this position is with your heavenly Father. 
They which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, they shall reign in life. Now here's the cool thing. This means we'll have full and superior dominion in life. Now sometimes people read that and go, okay, I'm going to have full and superior dominion in my natural life. That's awesome. No, no, no. This word life is zoe. See, you're going to have full and superior dominion as you walk in the God kind of life. In other words, you're going to walk on this earth as Jesus walked on this earth. Jesus was never, I mean, if you look at his life, he was never in fear. He never lacked. He was never moved by anything in this earth system or in the earth. He knew he had full and superior dominion. Demon-possessed guy comes up to him out of the tombs with over 6,000 demons, a whole legion of demons, and just, they're begging him, can you please just cast us out into those pigs over there? Right? And then the pigs, when they came in contact with demonic, demonic powers, are like, oh, man, we'd rather jump off a cliff and die than most Christians put up with this nonsense. Don't put up with those principalities and powers in your life. Tell them to shut up, bind them, and give them no place. And I'm telling you, as you allow the armor of God to just manifest upon you, as you're continually being strengthened in the Lord, they will flee from you. You, you submit yourself to God. Now you're in position. Resist the devil. And he flees as in terror all the time. Verse 21 of Romans chapter 5 says this, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so grace, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. So the grace of God, his divine ability reigns. It has full and superior dominion through righteousness, which I am, and that causes me to walk in eternal Zoe life. Do you see that? So you got to get this. As sin, sin, how did sin reign in this earth? It reigned through death. But now grace in a believer's life will reign through the fact that they've been made to the righteousness of God in Christ. And now that gives us full and superior dominion now to walk in our eternal life. This is huge. So Romans chapter 5, if you jump back to verse 1, says this. Now it tells us how to access grace. How do we access grace? Romans 5.1 Therefore, being justified by faith. This word justified in the Greek means declared righteous. You and I were declared righteous by simply the fact that we had faith and believed what God said. When I said, Father, I believe that Jesus lived on this earth. He died on a cross for my sin. He was buried, he rose again from the dead and is now seated at your right hand. I believe that. And now, because I believe that, Jesus, I declare that you are now and forever my Lord. I bow my life to your Lordship. 
I invite you to come into my heart and make me new. The minute I did that, I was justified. Think about that. Have you ever been condemned? You can't be condemned as a believer because you've been justified by the righteous God, the judge of all the earth. He declared you righteous, not a type of righteousness. No, he declared you as righteous as he is. So that's why who can accuse you? You know who your biggest accuser is? You just got to go look in a mirror. You'll see him, right? But when you realize you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, now what happens is grace can, it literally will reign through who you are and enable you to walk in eternal Zoe life. Fearless. Not you doing it. It's the grace that does it. Right? This is so important that we see this. It says here, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom, through Jesus, we have access, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I have access by faith into this grace. What does that mean? I'm fully persuaded when God says, Tony, come boldly to my throne of grace that you might obtain mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. You know what time, you know what time that time of need is? Well, right now it's 1118. Here in about a minute, it'll be 1119. Right? It's all the time. You have access all the time. I go to the Lord every day. I say, Father, I'm coming boldly to your throne of grace. Father, based on what Jesus did for me, I come boldly to your throne of grace in Christ. And Father, right now I ask that you would impart unto me a more than enough portion of your grace that will enable me to walk by the faith of God, by your faith, that will enable me to walk in your love, that will enable me to, be, to walk led by your spirit, to, that will enable me to walk holy before you today. See, try to do it in your own strength. Good luck with that. No, no. Everything that we are is because of grace. So somebody does you wrong and they're a Christian, they're just not walking in the grace. It's okay. You'll be able to spot it a mile away. You know why? Because you haven't walked in the grace too. Right? I could spot it 10 miles away because of stupid things that I've walked apart from the grace of God. But I got to tell you, no more. No more. I'm going to surround, I'm going to allow God to plant me. I, you know, guys, I am so excited that I'm planted at Faith Family Church. Now, you have no idea because I've been planted in ministries and doing stuff that God, that wasn't what he had for me to do. And it is so good to be planted and then you're around believers because you don't, you don't access any of this stuff alone. You get it all together. I mean, you can try to do it alone. Good luck with that. 
We have people going from church to church trying to figure out, and, and you know, they, they, they act, oh, holier than thou, I'm going to come into the church, and oh, you know, I, I just think, I'm perceiving that this is a wonderful work of God. Oh, you carnal, insecure believer who just doesn't know who he is. Or she, whatever, right? So we got to get past all that insecurity and all that nonsense. We got to get past all this. I'm just, I just, I just got to, there's a man that I'm supposed to be and I just got to become. Forget about trying to become. Because you'll try to become. If you got to lose weight, forget about carrying the weight of that. Let the grace of God help you. Let him... He can even help a human being like Brussels sprouts. I mean, that's how supernatural God is. He hasn't, I haven't got there yet. I'm a work in progress, all right? Give me a break, right? But he can do anything. He can get you free from depression. Because you're already free. He'll walk you into the freedom of it. He'll get you out of every bondage. He'll get you out of everything. And you don't even have to focus on it. You focus on him. You focus on the fact that I'm re I've received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Therefore, I will reign in life. And I have access into this grace, right, through faith so that I can stand and rejoice in who I am in Christ and who he is and the hope of his glory. This is the walk of a Christian. So Psalm 103, as we keep going with this, you guys doing okay? Oh man, I haven't even got past half of the introduction, but it's all good. Psalm 103, verse 10. I want you to set your eyes on this. You guys are a fun bunch to preach to because you're just sitting there going, yes. That's mine. Yeah, I'm seasoned hold. I love God. I'm free. That's, I could sense that. That's going on. It's wonderful. Do you know you come into church hungry like that helps your brother or sister that's just not there? Because you know walking through this door today, now we all might look really nice on the outside right now, but there's some people walking through the door that are going, man, I'm being crushed by burdens. But man, the supply that you bring can help get that burden off them and, and maybe you're carrying it a little bit for them so that they can sit there and receive something so that they will take that burden and go, okay, Jesus, I'm going to give this to you and get free. See, we're, we help each other. We help each other. Psalm 103 verse 10 says this. I love this verse. He says, he has not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Isn't that awesome? Didn't we sing about that today? We always sing the sermon, right? That the innocent one was made guilty so that the guilty one could walk how? Free. That's how we walk, right? That's good. That is good. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. See, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. The fear of the Lord, what is that? It is a reverence, this word means a reverence, an honor, and a respect above everything else in my life. I reverence him, I honor him, I respect him above everything else in my life. Bud, have fun ministering to the people today. He goes and ministers under the anointing. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. Great. His mercy is great towards you. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Do you know the points east and west never meet? He's removed them. When you stand before God, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to stand there. It's an eternal judgment. But guess what? You're not going to be judged. Your works are going to be judged. Your transgressions are gone. Isn't that good news? And when you realize that, when you realize you're free, that's when you say, in relation to my life, oh, Father, I'm free. And I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ now. Because, see, I look at myself, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you. For everything I'll do in the earth, I'm a prisoner. Oh, I'm not, the world can't imprison me. But I'm a prisoner to the fact that all of the revelation that he's given me, the gifts, the grace, the faith, I have to give it to others so that they can know it too. That's That's how you live your life. Mercy is the doorway into the abundant life. Mercy. That's you not getting what you deserve. You want to walk in the abundant life, you got to go through the door of mercy. you got to stop trying to figure it out in your own self and realize, God just gave this to me. What a message. Grace is defined as unmerited favor. I love this definition. Grace is God doing for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. The grace of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, you don't have to turn there, but it says this in verse 8 and 9, and you guys know this scripture. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man would boast. So you can't work for salvation, but if you're saved, you'll work out salvation. Right? Your salvation, you'll work it out. You'll show it outwardly. For by grace are you sozo. That's the Greek word. Are you saved? It's the Greek word sozo. You could say it this way. For by grace are you whole. Because wholeness is part of salvation. For by grace are you preserved. For by grace are you Are you protected? For by grace are you healed. For by grace are you prosperous. 
That's all the same word, right? This is awesome. The motivation, so here's a big one. The motivation of love rests in what's already done. When you realize and get a revelation that God loves you, that that'll never change, it won't waver, it won't wane. When you walk in a revelation of God's love for you, literally, you will rest in the fact that it's already finished. That'll get you out of a works mentality. We say this, faith is a rest. If you're not at rest, you're not in faith. That's why faith works by love, because if you don't realize that God loves you, you'll never, re you'll never be able to realize that he's already given you all this stuff. So faith, well, I'm sorry, the motivation of love, it rests in this, the finished work of Christ. It's already done. Love is what causes me to rest. If you see a fellow believer in turmoil, don't try to fix their life because you can't. Oh, you might see some things wrong in their life, but how do you know that's the next thing that God needs to work on? No, it might be something, something completely different. So what do you do? You be kindly affectionate to one another. You let your words minister grace to them. You just encourage them. Don't try to fix them. Don't tell them what to do. Encourage them. Why? Because love will cause me to rest. If a believer's in turmoil, they're not resting in love. Man, for every high school student, what a ministry. Because you're going to go to school tomorrow, or actually you're not going to go to school tomorrow. Yes, right? <laughs> and all the high schoolers said amen, right? But Tuesday, you're going to be surrounded surrounded with people, young people that God has a plan for their life that are a mess. Guess what? Guess who's going to school Tuesday in every school in America? Not just high schools, not just college campuses, right? Not just medical schools and, and finishing schools like that. No, no, middle schools, elementary schools, the spirit of suicide is going there Tuesday, right? The spirit of depression is going to that school. The spirit of confusion. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's going and, it's, it, and it all produces death. And you can go and just bring life. Guess what? You're going to go to your workplace Tuesday. And you're going to be surrounded by people that are at, not at rest because they don't know God loves them. Salvation is the initial work of grace in a person's life. That was the initial work. It's the greatest miracle that will ever happen in your life. We receive everything from God by grace through faith. Or you could say it this way. We receive everything from God by grace through the finished work of Christ. We must realize that we cannot do anything to earn the blessing of God, right? Faith is for the purpose of appropriating the grace. God has given you faith so that you could appropriate the grace. What that means, to appropriate means to take possession of. 
God has given you a measure of his faith and his faith comes as you hear the word of God so that you can take hold of what he has given you by his grace. Huge. We have access by faith into the grace of God and that causes us to be able to stand. Does that make sense? So turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 18 says this, but grow in grace. God wants you to grow in grace. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, right? I'm going to read this to you in the Amplified Version. Because it brings out some wonderful uh, parenthetical definitions. Maybe they could put that up on the, on, on the screen. It says, but grow in grace, undeserved favor. Look at this, spiritual strength. That's an accurate translation. Because that Greek word grace has in it spiritual strength. When you're strengthened, when you're strengthened inwardly by the Lord, you're strengthened by the grace of God. So now, see, when I, when I, when I come to minister, I always, I always thank God for anointing me with the Holy Ghost and even with power, and that that anointing would change me into an entirely different man, that I might minister the word of God in a manner worthy of my Father, in a manner worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ, in a manner worthy of the mighty Holy Spirit, that I would be able to get out of his way and that my words would not be my words, that they would be his words, and that my tongue would be as the, as the tongue of a ready writer now. See, it's the grace of God. It empowers you in the anointing. It empowers you in all these things. But grow in grace, undeserved favor, spiritual strength, and recognition and knowledge and understanding of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. To him be glory, honor, majesty, and splendor, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen, so be it. What I want you to see from this, this brings out, but grow in grace. Growing in grace is not a one-time event. It's an ongoing work. So you'll grow in it. Isn't that cool? Pretty soon, you don't even look like you anymore. You look like Jesus now. You're growing in grace. It's a progressive work. God doesn't sovereignly release grace as he feels like it. No, no, no. We access it based on what we want and what we need. Here's the thing, the Holy Spirit, he will have you go into the throne of grace all the time. He'll lead you into all the truth. He'll be like, you need to go and get some more standing grace. Hey, there's a person, I want you to talk to them, but I want you, wait, you need my serving grace, right? You're sitting in a service and they're gonna take an offering. Okay, Father, I'm just gonna lean into your sharing grace so that I, I'm, I see very clearly, I'm not moved by any fear. I'm gonna sow what I need to sow, right? All of these things, we walk in the grace of God. We access it. We are strong. We're to be strong. This spiritual strength. In 2 Timothy 2.1, it says this, 2 Timothy 2.1 says, you don't have to turn there for time's sake. 
Thou therefore, my son, Paul is saying, Timothy, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The grace of God is in Christ. Isn't that good news? Because guess what? You're in Christ. All the blessings of God are yes and amen in Christ. They're yes in Christ and amen in Christ, right? They're, it's all in Christ and you're in Christ. Thou therefore, my son, be strong. This word strong means be continually strengthened inwardly in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Wow. So Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15.10, and we'll kind of we'll close out with this. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Oh, yet not I. I wasn't the one laboring. But the grace of God that was with me was doing the laboring. So when you study and meditate in the word of God, we don't do it in our own strength. We do it by the grace of God. Paul said the grace of God made him who he was. Paul said the grace of God labored in me. I rest. When Paul, you know, in his ministry, now, he, before he got saved, he had Christians, he had letters from the government where he could go and throw Christians in prison and have them put to death. And he went everywhere. So then he has this Damascus experience God says, why are you persecuting me? And Paul asks two questions. He says, Lord, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. After that, he said, okay. He said, Lord, right? What will you have me to do? These two questions, if you put everything that Paul wrote, you can see his whole life answered these two questions. The whole Pauline relation, re revelation is, who God is and how to walk it out. We're studying the book of Ephesians with the men. The first three chapters tell you who God is and who you are in him. The second three chapters tell you how to walk it out. Everything is, God, Lord, who are you and what would you have me to do? Well, so what happens, Paul was given a thorn in the flesh in the Bible, a thorn in the flesh was always symbolic of somebody who would come against the move of God in the earth. You could see it in the Old Testament. It's all over. It, and it says this thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him. Now buffet him, I know it's 1142, and when we say buffet, you're thinking buffet, right? <laughs> You're thinking, man, I want to go to Pizza Ranch. I want to go to the Chinese place, right? No, no, no. Stay with me. It's Buffett. That means blow after blow after blow, right? Well, we see that. people. Now, one theologian said it was an Asian eye disease, which is hilarious. Um, we won't even go into that. I, there's teaching on our website. I think I spent three weeks on that thing one day. Wow, that poor man. Anyway... It was, it was a messenger of Satan. I think it's probably tied to the fact that everywhere Paul went, people would look at him and go, this guy's preaching about God? He had my dad killed. 
I mean, that might be part of it. But everywhere he would go, I mean, they'd call him God, then they'd go stone him three days, you know, three minutes later. He's thrown in prison. He's beaten. He's all this, this whole ministry. So he goes to the Lord and he's like, Father, he goes to him three times. Can you please get this messenger of Satan out of my life? And then in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 9 and 10, is God's response. God never said, no, Paul, I'm not going to get it out of, you, out of your life. See, God, if you ask the wrong question, God doesn't answer that. But God gave Paul the answer. So here's Paul, please, three times, will you get this out of my life, out of, out of the ministry? It would be so nice to just go preach and be able to go to lunch afterwards and not get thrown in prison or beaten or whatever, right? And God said unto me, my grace, Paul, is present tense sufficient for thee. For Paul, my strength, that's the grace of God, is made perfect in weakness. Now this is the Greek word asthenia. It doesn't mean sickness. It literally at its core means an inability to produce results. Have you ever in your life been in a situation where you have an inability to produce results? Right? And yeah, we all have. That's right. Well, Paul's, God's saying, my strength is made perfect when you have an inability in yourself to produce your result. Today, I could, can you sense it? The Spirit of God is saying to you today, don't carry that weight. Give it to me. This, because it becomes, it'll discourage you when you're in a situation that you don't like. But Satan's not, he doesn't want to keep you there. He wants you to get over here and despair and get you to where you look to your future and you see it never changing. At the other end of that is suicide, hopelessness, all that. None of that's in God. God is saying, my strength, which is my grace, which is this sufficient for you, it's made perfect when you're in a place where you can't fix it. God says, I'll fix it. When you're hopeless, I'll bring hope back into your life. When you think it's over, I'll show you that you're just beginning. When you think you're totally defeated, I'll let you know my grace will show you that you're victorious. And it says here, most gladly, Paul responds, most gladly, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities. I will glory in my inability to produce results that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, Paul says, I take pleasure in my inability to produce results. I take pleasure in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Why? Because I know this, Paul says, when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. We're Christians, guys. We walk and live by faith. We're not moved by how we feel. When we, when, we, when, it, when we feel defeated, we lift our hands and smile and the joy of the Lord is our strength, which we walk in, we're walking in the truth and we're saying, I'm victorious. 
Father, I thank you that you always cause me to triumph. I thank you that your grace strengthens me to stand until that thing bows to the word of God. 